Hey everyone, welcome to An Event for Life with Brad Cox and Shane Buzzer. I'm Brad. And I'm Shane. An Event for Life is the podcast where we take you on a journey through eventful lives of inspirational event industry leaders from around the world. That's right. We'll be sharing their stories, impact and insight into the complex world of events. So if you like these stories, don't forget to like, subscribe and share with your mates. This is An Event for Life. Hello, Buzz. How are you, mate? I'm good, Brad. How you doing? Yeah, all right. Another fine week in your world? It is, yeah. Um, we've got a, a Bucks party coming up this weekend. I'm pumped for that. Oh, but, look uh, out. That's dangerous. Yeah. But Particularly no, when you're in an event. Yeah, are well, you no. organising this Bucks party? Oh, kind of. It'll be slightly scaled down. But let's let's not talk about that. Let's talk about the show. And we're, we're three episodes in now. Do you feel we're getting into a bit of a groove now? Absolutely. Season yeah. two has gone off to a flyer, which is uh, amazing. And uh, thank you to everyone who's listening who has supported us along the way. It's uh, It's been amazing and uh, we're back and at it in full force and back on social media. We are, yep, um, which is great. It's good just to have that presence again. We obviously went quiet for a while and uh, – Back on socials, the feedback was put something on your walls. So we've done that now. Yep. Yeah, yeah, we're working on that at the moment. The studio is currently in renovation around us at the moment in a good way, which is great. But, uh, yeah, so Instagram, TikTok, uh, our new YouTube channel is up and running. So um, anyone who's listening who's not subscribed, please go and subscribe. It'll make all the world a difference for us. But uh, and, tell, yeah. and tell us who you want to hear from yeah, as well. Like absolutely. Get, get in touch with us on the socials and, yeah, we'd love to hear some feedback on that. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, we're fresh off uh, Frank Ciccone from last week. What a story that was, um, you know, his venture. Just incredible. Uh, unbelievable yeah. uh, guy that just, you know, small business in the in the inner suburbs and has blown it out of the water. So, uh, but we thought we'd continue the venture down, you know, the niche sectors this, this week and uh, the industry with today's guests. I need to be serious for a moment because uh, it's, you know, today's guest is uh, sitting directly opposite me and keeping a careful eye on me as she always does. Uh, From humble beginnings as a venue functions manager to now one of the most resilient and hardworking business owners in the event industry for over 17 years. She's the go-to person for every major event, now has offices across Eastern Australia and has recently won Australian Event Awards Supplier of the Year. She makes linen cool and is always the bundle of energy to any team just when you need it, generally during the late hours of bump in or bump out. She's direct, honest, passionate and dedicated. Would you please welcome Ellie Hammett. Welcome, Al. Thanks, Brad. There you go. Welcome to our little podcast. He's pretty good, isn't he? He's this. very I know I say good it every at week. Uh, yeah. mm. no. does, no. does it give you a little perk up to hear all that? Yes, and a reality boost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. So yeah. now talking of like bright and colourful, yeah. you're sitting here all dressed up. I know the listeners can't see you, but uh, you're certainly the life of party again today. Wearing so. patchwork with embroidered. Um, seagulls. Did you just... make it yourself? No, I did oh. not. I'm not that talented. <laughs> <laughs> Sticking to the linen. So, yeah. which is where we wanted to sort of start today's episode. Um, and that is with your business of Table Art, which is, you know, it is very niche, but um, you've had it for a long time, 17 years, as I said. Um, and it's been most of your professional life. The model of table linen and table design, um, what provided you the inspiration and drive to, to set up such a business? I was working for ta- uh, for Harry the Hirer and I was managing table linen at Harry's and I loved it and I loved Harry's and after a few years I got made redundant and I had been client relationships manager at Harry's after linen um, and I sat on the couch listening to Oprah and she told me that I was supposed to work in an industry that I loved and with a product that I loved and I'd always uh, collected fabrics and... I loved events so I started experimenting with different fabrics for the events industry and at the time they don't um, the whole industry 
um, had only had Organza and Damask, which I'm sure you two know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, absolutely. Buzz is looking at me with no a smile. Idea. Off, <laughs> no idea. That's why we come to you, Ellie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I experiment with um, upholstery fabrics and dress materials and luckily they washed um, because we have to launder, we have to check all our fabrics for colour stain, removal. I put curry on it, oil, texture, um, wine, if I, you know, want to waste some really? at the end. Yeah, I know, just the yeah. drops at the end. Yeah. It's like, okay. <laughs> um, and wax and just make sure that wow. all those things come out because if I'm going to spend That's thousands yeah. of the dollars R&D on fabrics. Department of, uh, the yeah. R&D department of table linen. Oh, I love that. I... Literally in my kitchen at home, yeah. And just, of course. Yeah. Otherwise... It's not going to survive. Yeah, if you need wow. some help with that, I've got a couple of kids. They can spill anything <laughs> on anything. <laughs> it's amazing how that works. So I pre-test all the fabrics to see if it will survive and luckily it did. And, and How many did you start with? Um, I started with six fabrics and I took it to my wonderful network um, that I had gathered over the years in the events industry prior to that and one of my first events was the Prime Minister's Olympic dinner with Peter Jones. Peter so. Jones, yeah. All people like Peter Jones and Bruce Kiebar and Lee Clark, there's just a lot of people who I'd known for many years who just, they wanted to support young business and particularly, which I was very lucky with, young female business. And I guess, did they obviously know of your, you know, the, the skill sets that you developed, you said at Harry's, you know, mm. you worked specifically with Linen and yep. those client relationships. So there was, am I right in saying there was a trust there to bring a, a, a young, well, a new business yeah. into their major events? Yeah. And there's so much pressure, I think, to bring new business, a uh, new product into um, particularly Melbourne because of how many um, major events we have. So our clients want something new every year. They don't want to do something that they've done before. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of pressure to bring that new product out. And so they were pretty excited to see a new product and a new person, a new business in the industry that was enthusiastic and wanted to do something with them. Anything, good, good on anything. You. Did, did you so feel good. some of that pressure in the early days and those early events? You know, No, I just loved it. Just loved it. Loved it. Back yourself? Yeah. There's a message to the listener and anyone yeah. who's starting out. Just, Just back yourself. Back yourself. Trust your gut. And, and test curry and wine <laughs> your product. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I remember buying in about $30,000 worth of um, pure linen from some, I don't know, French, some Riviera. And the first Indian wedding ruined every single <laughs> oh, tablecloth, no. you know. And I'd learned at Harry the Hara that, um, I hope this isn't a trade secret that I'm giving away, but... Um, Rick's rule was three um, three and it's free, so three hires until you cover your cost. Um, I don't know if that's his still um, one, but we were about uh, five to nine. So fabrics are more expensive, um, particularly going down the way that I went, the higher quality um, fabrics. So it takes a longer time, but all the money that any sales that I brought in, I then put back into new stock and I was waitressing at night times for Food and Desire at Carousel so I could guilt them into using me Your yeah, for the events. Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah. Were, you were working slash networking. Yeah, I yeah. was. Yeah. And also Dave Devney through Ready, Set, Go. Yes. So I was doing yeah. shell events and so I was working with corporates as well. So I was basically just any money I could get in just to buy new stock and ran it from home. 
and the joys of uh, starting a small business as we are uh, all we well aware of. We it. all know that. Yeah. yeah. Not so glam. <laughs> hey, we worked together on a number of events over the yep. years, but particularly the Australian Open, I wanted to reference early on. Your standards in terms of the level of detail are extraordinary. The precision of placement, cloth length, colour mix and balance in an environment matched with lighting, the precision of cutlery and glassware buzz is and layout and spacing is it was unbelievable. Me story. What's wrong with you? This is, ins- is amazing. Nuts. So absolutely. So <laughs> I have issues. <laughs> but you know, many people would think you know this level of detail is is ridiculous. You know, but having seen your work and you work your magic, the results are incredible, and the detail does matter. But my sort of question is, why? You know, <laughs> what, why is it important to you, and what drives you to do it? I think a well-set table says how professional the person is who designed it. And so if I sit down at a table and the cutlery is set wrong, I'm like, these people don't have their shit together. Um, if I get photos back and the the chairs aren't straight, I'm like, that's a small thing. If, they, if someone can't straighten a chair for a photo, because it's all about the Instagrammable photo, photo now, then what other stuff-ups did they do? Because that's a really simple thing. And I think the art of setting the table correctly with the cutlery straight and, you know, an inch in from the table edge and going in the right direction, um, I think that is a skill that is being lost and because we're not all sitting at the table anymore and I learnt my skills originally from working at the Hilton in banquets at the age of 18 and Karen Mossma teaching me how to set a table correctly and so that's very important. It's a, it's a skill set that just not many people have. I mean, mm. I'm not going to pretend to have it. I wouldn't have a clue. So, but, yeah, it's, it's not for everyone. So yep. I guess there's only so much you can do, but I, I get that it would be so important to you. And do you have to just kind of pull away a bit and go, okay, I've done my bit and mm. done what I can? I can't be at all yeah. events. Mm. We've got, I think, 49 events this week. Um, so I can't be at them. I can send table instructions, how to set the table, what tablecloths I've allocated to what floor plan. So I try and give as much information as I can because I know that it makes sense to me but it doesn't necessarily make sense to the venue set-up staff. They've just got different sized tables and different sized tablecloths and they don't know what goes on what. So that is important to me to provide that information, going that extra mile to give them that attention to detail. And I guess with what Brad was telling me and, and the overview he just provided to our listeners um, the Australian Open as an event has just elevated itself mm. you know, it, that it, to a huge level in the last 10, 15 years and, and you, I guess, were part of that in, in making everything so meticulous and the attention to detail and just make it this world-class event that it is. Could you see that happening at the time? Yeah, I don't know how long Gary Charters worked um, designing the corporate event spaces. He'd be 15 years. to 20 years now. Wow. Yeah. He's an amazing, amazing man. If you want to follow anyone, Chard International. Um, Gary's an amazing designer. Um, He gets very out there designs um, and I was employed to basically rein him in to make it practical. We bring Ali in literally like (laughs) Gary has all these crazy ideas and Ali Ali makes it happen and just makes it real. (laughs) Just going, you can't set the table like that. You can't have the cutlery setting going at an angle into the middle of the round table because there's no room for a ta- um, for a, a plate. And I get so many clients who will, a florist will cover the table in florals, but then no one's asked anyone whether or not there's any um, shared plates 
from the caterer. So all those florals have to be taken off. So if it's not practical, then it's a waste of money, mm. really. What do you think when you walk into other events or venues and you look at the tables and they're <laughs> run of the mill and quickly laid out by the floor team and, uh, you know, with relatively little care and, and thought from an appearance point of view, does it frustrate you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, Brad, it sure. does. Um, look, I think venues are really struggling with staff and I completely yeah. understand that and I try and straighten things as best I can and I'll mention some things to a functions manager but I'm very aware that, you know, you can't push the boundaries. Like they're doing the best job they can. And so it's what you just mentioned there about the, the centrepiece or, you know, the, the, mm. the florals or whatever it may be and the practicality, for any young events person listening, that's probably something to take on board. Really mm. give that some thought when you are setting a table, make sure that people will be able to serve their food yeah. and it still looks good and all those things. I remember working on a, a wedding that had the centrepiece towers like a metre tall and the florals up on top oh, of yeah. it. But the stand was so wide that you actually couldn't have anyone sitting either side of the stand. So there was like eight people and then a 50 centimetre gap to have this stand oh and God. then another eight people like on a long table. It looks ridiculous because no one had actually asked, how wide's the table? And yeah. I get so many people saying, oh, I want the table in to go to the floor. Well, what's the dimensions of the table? Oh, I don't know. I'm like, well, yeah. can I only yeah. do so much then, mate? Yeah, and again it comes back to level of detail at the end yeah. of the day in every aspect of what you're delivering. To your kudos, I've only ever seen one other person do it and they work internally for an organisation and it's a real skill set that you have and a niche and, you know, you've helped a lot of people along the way and I think that's why you've been, you know, such the go-to person for particularly those major events. You just mentioned a minute ago weddings. Um, mm. They make up a lot of your business but are a very different approach. What are some of the similarities and, and differences between your work with, you know, your wedding clients um, and, you know, your corporate events and, and your major events? We would be 50% weddings and 50% uh, made up of parties, corporates and major events. Um, weddings are a lot more work. So we would average at least one face-to-face um, -face styling appointment in the showroom. Ideally, they would like to come in on a Saturday um, versus Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, which would be better for me, obviously, because <laughs> um, we're working on the weekend. I yeah. know that surprises people. It just has us, had them, has them stumped. They also, it's a lifestyle <laughs> job. It's not 9 to 5. It's the first <laughs> thing I said to anybody who wants to get into this industry. Yeah. Um, also, I would say 40 emails would be the average for a wedding where a corporate will send me one email saying I need 60 tables of this cloth on this date, bang, done. So much easier. Um, and also weddings have a lot of amendments and, oh, I've changed my colour scheme and, oh, can I come back in and re-look re at that. I think there's a lot of pressure. Um, I think the wedding industry has um, is renowned for there's one price for weddings and one price for corporates and I don't particularly do that. It would be great if I could, um, but it's the same price for everyone. It's just more work. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess it's much more personal, obviously. Yeah. That, am I right in saying it's yeah, just definitely. the obvious reason for that? Yeah. Yep. And given the amount of time you invest in, in the wedding space in particular, yep. I guess the question is like why? Why do weddings when, you know, corporate is more lucrative from a financial point of view and an ease point of view in terms of time and resource? Yeah. Because I get pretty pictures <laughs> and I love creating pretty tables and the pretty pictures then sell the image to the corporates. So the corporates will just go through the Instagram. I want that on this 460 tables. How do we do that? Have you ever had 
uh, a wedding that may not have been as Instagrammable, and by that I mean <laughs> the, uh, you know, the some of their ideas and concepts were maybe not down your path. Are you blaming the bride or the groom? Or oh, both? Look, I, <laughs> I, I, I wrote bride in my notes, but I'm yeah, too scared no. to say that. Bride or, or been, groom. There has yeah. been quite a few grooms. Yeah. Um, mother of the bride. Mother yeah. of the bride, yes. Yeah. They're the worst. Yes, we do. And that's when I drive my car rather than my branded vehicle. <laughs> um, I'm the first to say less is more. You don't need bows on trees and, yeah, we've had lots that are very OTT and it doesn't need that. I'm the first to say to my couples, pick one thing that's important to you and one thing that's important to your fiancé and ignore the rest of the shit on Instagram because there's so much pressure to have that Instagrammable shot and I think this sounds really old but the next generation of of couples coming through, they're, you know, 25 to 35-year-olds will always be my wedding clientele and there's a lot of pressure for them to have that image on social media and I just think it's such a waste of money. I'm in the industry, I run it, but I would not mm. get married. <laughs> <laughs> um, As I did Brad's wedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I'm going to touch on that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Look out. Um, in saying that, has social media helped to elevate your business? You talk about, you know, the weddings influencing the corporate and stuff, but, you know, that, that sort of transition into social media, particularly over the last 10 years, has that really seen a lift in your business? Huge. Um, the, the name Event Stylist and Instagram both started around about the same time. And so all of a sudden people wanted all those nice shots. And having a photo of just a venue's crap white, tea, white um, tablecloth versus a beautiful weave cloth in a colour, you go from, say, if you've got red flowers on white tablecloth, that looks like a Christmas function, mm. you change the tablecloth and that stays there for the whole time to, say, a grey or a charcoal, well, that transforms it straight from Christmas to a corporate. So it's a little thing that you can add and it's you get the biggest bang for your buck, really. Tr- it would be tricky, though. I mean, weddings are so expensive. I mean, I've mm. never been married, but I hear they're, yeah. <laughs> they're expensive. They are, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, with couples that are trying to, you know, save a couple mm. of bucks here and there, they're probably going to go down the path of something more simple. Am I right in saying so? Yeah, but I actually talk to them about things that you can do that can save that buck. So you can have that, if you change the tablecloth, then that transforms the whole space where a lot of people go, oh, I just want a coloured napkin. I'm like, well, once the guests sit down, those napkins are on your floor or the lap and you lose all colour on the table. So for that same amount of money, you can transform the whole space and just use the crappy white napkin from the venue. So we talk about that and we set up, we've got a showroom in Hawthorne and I've got faux flowers um, to replicate um, the client's florist and I've got higher products, um, cutlery, crockery, glassware from so- um, borrowed from social event hire and stationery and it just helps them actually visualise the whole table. And is that how you work with some of those suppliers in terms of being able to paint that full picture? Yeah. Um, particularly for the, you know, those that aren't visual or those that don't do it day to day that are unable to, you know, visualise it in their heads? I thought I was normal and I, like, I can visualise yep. a full table <laughs> and a full renovation or full anything. I am abnormal and you guys are probably the same as me. Most, I'd just say 95% of people actually can't, can't visualise that. Um, and I had no idea that they couldn't do that. And it's one of the challenges, I think, you know, trying to 
communicate your vision, mm-hmm. um, you know, because when you can visualize it, it does make a lot more sense. And I guess, you know, in this industry, we do do that. Yeah. Um, but those that are coming in out, but again, particularly those that are getting married and the weddings and stuff that are one off and, and it's out, the most important part of their important an, day of their lives. Outdoor setting, especially, you know, you <laughs> talk about trying to visualize. Yep. Rooms are not, I don't want to say rooms are room because it's not, but mm. an outdoor setting, especially, that's yep. a blank canvas that yeah. you're working with. So you do have to create the flow and the look that you're probably very involved in. Am I right? Yeah, definitely. But then, you know, depending on whether, if it is a wedding outdoors in Melbourne, you've got five, four, five seasons. Did you know we had a fifth? Uh, four seasons one day. If you don't have that backup plan, so we need to actually take that into a, into consideration as well, that yep. if it does rain, rain yep. where are we moving all this to? Yeah. Yep. And that style also has to look right in that space. And resonate, yeah. yeah. Yep. How do you keep up with the trends being such a niche business? So table linen trends actually, weddings and events trends, looks-wise, follows um, homewares and homewares actually follows fashion. So you can actually see it from fashion's probably um, 18 months before and then it's um, homewares and you go into a homeware shop and you can see a pop of, you know, lemon um, in homewares in the blankets or dark green and all those colours are actually now coming through this year for weddings um, and therefore events really. So I can actually see that just in the shops and so I will go, okay, I need a lemon tablecloth and I need a dark green tablecloth and just be ready. Do you keep an eye on, say, Spring Carnival, which which, which is about mm-hmm. to come up yeah. and, and, and you know, in line with what you're saying now as far as colour schemes at work? Yeah, we actually we've got um, Mooney Valley Cox Plate this week yep. and I've made them all new tablecloths for um, – we've got a sister brand called The Napera and we do sewing for venues. So we've just sewn um, – they wanted um, all bright florals and – it's and stripes and all these things are coming back in fashion again and I've now been around long enough that I'm seeing fashion come back which <laughs> horrifies me um that I've been around for that long not the fashion that is coming back in but people actually want clashing um prints and all these things that I'm excited about because I'm very much into it's edgy right yeah, yeah. and play with color where when I'm dealing with so many weddings it's a lot of white and neutral so when I get to play with bright fabrics and prints and clashing I'm like yes thanks why do you think people come to you as opposed to an event hire company that has a linen section um I think because it's my one specialty and I learned very early on I just wanted to be small and boutique and I wanted to be approachable I understand um how to set a table I understand the business from all different directions really and I can take that into account where a business that does have table linen within it they don't have um they have the money to put into a lot of tablecloths but they don't necessarily have the experience of a salesperson who actually knows how to do it and has spent that time doing it um I think that makes a huge difference um and funny enough the people who do have that in-house um (laughs) linen we know who we're talking about, they actually recommend us, which is really lovely and the industry is very supportive and I won't buy, won't make a product that someone else has. So if someone rings me and says, hey, do you have this? I'm like, no, but Harry the Hire has or Decorant has or, you know, I actually send them to the right place because I'd rather 
just one, share the love, and two, I I just think copying each other is a waste probably of time come, and money. Probably comes back too, right, Ellie? Yeah. As in, you know, the, you know Decorah, Fiona, yeah. uh, and now Billy, like they're yeah. great people. So, awesome, yeah. yeah. And we all actually share information and, hey, what do you do when this happens? Yeah. Like it's not a really, well, I don't think it is, a really, it's competitive but it's not brutal. Is that the word? I don't know. No, I think, yeah. It's we a, help it's each other out. We do. You know, and I we sub high from each other too. Excellent. Yeah. And I guess touching on that and some of your competitors mm. and not competitive, you know, yeah, yeah. peers. So tell us a bit about the processes around stock volumes and, and the maintenance and cleaning and, and, you know, is this something that you even touch on with? with the decorates and Harry's and things like that around how to really manage that process. You're a small business. Yeah. Yeah. So I pre-test all my fabrics um, with curry, oil, grease, wax um, and texture. If I can't get these things out in the wash um, and we've started our own industrial laundry um, two weeks ago just for the fun of it. As you do. As you do. You'll drop a basket down there I wasn't the busy enough. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to see you guys pouring curry on things and, mm. and all the wax and things. That would, that would be funny. It's not as glamorous. It's in my kitchen at Okay. Home. And then I check whether or not it washes because if it doesn't wash, it's not going to survive the events industry. Of course, yeah. So, yes, Harry the Hira did ring me. Um, Mel Healy rang me going, oh, you know, they want this uh, the start the – their creatives wanted a particular product. I'm like, it's not going to survive. Just don't go down that yeah. way. So we do actually talk practicality. I love that. Yep. That's great. Yeah. 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 And, and operationally for you, I mean, you talk about you know, having a laundry and all these mm. different things. Again, as a small business, what's that process like from, okay, stock goes out, it goes to an event, you know, how heavily involved are you in that? And then what's what's the flow of work like operationally when it comes back the other way? We're still working that out, Yeah, right? <laughs> um, 17 years and still going, uh, yeah. as we do. Yeah. All Never Policies perfect. and procedures, yeah. yeah, with this new business. We would probably have uh, 40% of jobs, like we've got 49 jobs this week, I think, and we've got, say, 40% of them um, clients come and pick up yep. and then return five days later. So we offer a five-day hire period. We make sure that there's enough time to get it laundered, whether or not that's an external laundry or our now in-house one, pressed, checked, everything, and back out again. So with deliveries as well, we've, we, do, we did a lot of interstate work and that gets out. The process of five days yep. goes to shit when that happens because TNT loses the boxes or it gets caught up at the docks or something like that. But just your, your stocks as well. Yeah, and it grows mould. So okay. we then have to, you know, we're laundering it, but then that goes out. It's not available for a client for next week because it's covered in mould because it was stuck in the yep. docks. So things like that. How do you make a decision on volume of stock? Like, okay, how many, mm. you know, how many am I going to produce of a particular type and when am I going to, you know, make new ones to go into that stock versus go down another line? Because we have in-house sewing rooms, we order a lot of fabric to have ready to go so if someone needs a last minute um if numbers go up yep. i can whip up a tablecloth not me personally no, no idea <laughs> i was gonna say you said you don't sew. yeah i don't <laughs> sew. no i have no idea I, I watch them and i provide coffees for the seamstresses because i have no idea so i know in victoria in melbourne we generally do a lot of long tables except in function centers that have the rounds um so it just depends on if a tablecloth is really designed mainly for weddings or mainly for um, corporates. So say a Navy will go out all footy season. Yeah, so yeah. we work with all the footy clubs and they just want an overlay. 
Um, so a 2.3 metre square overlay that will go over their round tables. It doesn't have to go to the floor. They don't mind. They just want to bring in the colour of the club and that just sets the room. Where a wedding, they want the linen to go to the floor. Generally, um, we do a lot of long tables. Yeah, it just depends. But I will have fabric on 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 hand to grow that. From what I know of you, something that we have in common, I guess, to our detriment maybe, is our accessibility. And by mm. that, I mean we're always contactable. We're yeah. small business owners. Um, but we make it work. Mm. We just do what we have to do, yep. make it work. But has there been any like odd or awkward scenarios where you've, you've, you've had to leave a place or something and in order to do this last minute job, I mean, I've, I've left you know, shows before or, or part, you know what I mean? I've, I've had to leave things before. Have you ever had to just drop what you're doing in an awkward situation in order to cater for one of these requests? I can't think of awkward. I used to live above my shop. So I'd be asleep oh, yeah. and people would just come and knock on the front door going, oh, we've got an emergency it's like it's five o'clock in the morning. I'm in my nighty, <laughs> but yes, I will. F- and help knocking you. on your front door. Yeah, wow. because wow. they knew I lived upstairs. So the best thing I could do was did, move away. Did you ever charge uh, what I consider a five a.m. fuckery fee? For, uh... <laughs> we got a client um, <laughs> sent me a text the other day going, "So I'm hoping to do the pick up at four thirty in the morning." I'm like, Are you kidding me? <laughs> Be on the doorstep, drive past, and pick yeah. it up. Thanks very yeah. much. So yeah, yeah exactly. So. The drive. I actually leave a lot of my veranda. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, and look, you know, to Ellie's credit, I mean, I've been in a situation where I've had to ring and, yeah. and say, hey, we're down a couple of numbers or more importantly, yeah. oh, they've, they've added three more tables. Can you, is there any chance we can get that particular linen down here? And to your credit, I mean, it's something you've always been great at and you are too, Buzz, but it's like, yeah, it's in the taxi or yeah. I've got someone swinging by, I'll, yeah. they'll be there in 30 minutes or whatever, I'll meet you out the front and just make it happen. I mean, that's the nature of events, Stuff but you still got to do it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. My kid comes to work every weekend <laughs> um, and just puts, yeah, one yeah. tablecloth in an Uber and off it goes. So yeah, we do. I'm very aware that stuff ups happen, whether or not it's our end or whether or not it's the client end, it doesn't matter. I still yeah, need to fix matter. the problem yeah. and I want to be accessible because that's our industry. Because 49 events in a week. That's, that's a lot of events to do you know, with a small team again. Yeah. So, you know, and thinking about your team in particular, I mean, you've had some of the some of the team members have been there for a number of years yep. and, and are very dedicated in that. Is it a challenge to find people that are interested <laughs> in your business and how do you go about that process? Because, it, again, we come out to that niche, you yeah. know, term, but it's, you know, it's not like you're going to work for some big glamorous mm. agency or something along those lines. It's a, it's a particular skill set that you would need as well. I've learnt to employ on personality. I've learned, I've employed on skills and it doesn't work. <laughs> if you are a go-getter, if you can go and just learn quickly, own your mistakes, that's a big thing with me because things happen. Mm. You, you know, they can't count to 50 napkins. Well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't believe how many times that happens. But I can train someone with a lot of personality who is approachable and who is a go-getter. So I... I've got a great new gun. Um, her name's Elise and she is sales and events, uh, sales and admin um, manager. And she she was away in Queensland this week doing sales calls and I was on the phones and emails yesterday and I was up to something like 70 emails. She has it under 10 every day. Like she gets it done. She deletes them. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's it. But I did send her a text going, you're never, ever leaving me ever, ever again. Yeah, but she came in with no experience whatsoever and I trained her and she's a gun. What do you think the attraction to your business was for her? Um, it looks nice on Instagram. 
um, the reality of it is very different. Yeah. I was going to ask that around people coming thinking it is this glamorous mm. lifestyle, but this is a hands dirty yeah. job. Yeah. And people don't understand that. Like we're picking wax off tablecloths and food and and it smells like after a weekend of footy at, you know, Carlton versus Collingwood, you know, so, that so, stinks. So if anyone wants to come and work, this is a, yeah. Please, we've got positions available in our laundry. Yeah, but it is dirty and we all do it. We all put the bins out. We all pick wax off linen. You know, that's the reality of it. And I think if you come into this industry thinking that we're sipping champagne, it just doesn't happen. Although I do remember working on a Peter Jones job and my dad was helping me bump out. I don't even know what it was, but, yeah, free labour with dad. And it, they were running late and Peter Jones said, oh, just go into the green room and there's a cheese platter and wine. And dad's like, do you get this in all the bump outs? <laughs> I'm like, never. No. <laughs> and dad's like, wow, this is a great industry. I'm like, no. Yeah, come back next week. It'll be totally different. I was so, say, yeah, PJ yeah. won't be offering cheese. No. He'll be no. uh, barking uh, orders. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if running one successful business wasn't enough, you open the Napier in twenty twenty one. Tell us a bit about this and how it differs from Table Art Event Hire. We're in COVID, and I was rocking in a corner basically, and had run out of money. And there was a tender from Centerpiece um, Melbourne Olympic Park. And quite a few people sent it to me because I was really the only one who was doing table linen. And so I did my first government tender and I haven't written that much since <laughs> um, high school. First and last. Yeah. <laughs> this is before chat GPT too. How did you yes, do a government I tender? I know. Yeah. I got a Sorry, lot of Sorry, am I friends. giving away secrets? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got one now. I can just cut and paste. And I got the tender and just went, yeah, I can make tablecloths. It's fine. That's what we do. Um, but we were doing it through our laundry um, at the time was doing it. The laundry has now um, left, gone, finished. And so we won this tender and I knew what fabrics they were interested in. I had relationships there and then they said, oh, yeah, you're the only one the tender. I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay, I didn't have to write all those <laughs> 3,000 words. you still got to do the work though and do the job. Yeah. Yeah. So we got that in COVID and we just, I had nothing else to do. It saved me. Mm. You know, in hindsight, I've learned a lot because the pro- profitability probably wasn't <laughs> where it should have been, but it just it rescued me mentally and, um, yeah, financially. Good on you, though. That's a great story. And that, that whole venue had mm. all sorts of complications and challenges because of the timing of when yeah. they were going to open. So to have people like you come in and help them with the, the you know, produce what yeah. needed to be mm. produced, that's awesome. So that's that was a great learning, really just sink or swim, you know, and I'm just yep. going to make it happen. And it was a natural progression to go into that. And so we've expanded that business to now do other hire businesses around Australia and other venues. So it is cutting off my nose despite my face for the hiring. I was going to say, you're selling so it into you, venues mm, versus you're going to hire it. So yeah. Sorry, just one quick yep. one with the tender. So mm. and in line with what Brad was asking, did you put the tender through as this new entity or like how did that? No, I did it as part of Table Art but right, then okay. – um, yeah, then we started. And then it the na- turned yeah. into, okay. Like two weeks later I started. Gotcha. Yeah, the neighbor, yeah. Oh, we'll just start a new business. So, yes, I am cutting off my nose to spite my face, but it's businesses like um, Sophia at Atlantic's venue and the Trust with Nudo and oh, yeah. Hubert Estate, yeah. like we've made all their tablecloths. They're never going to hire a table linen every single day. And there's a huge push for venues to have an offering yeah. as their standard packaging that's better than the crap white 
stuff yep. that doesn't go to the floor and got yeah. white, got black, nothing else. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. What else you got? So. so that's been really great that we've been able to grow that side of the business. And now that really does elevate those businesses from their competitors. So we've grown that and we're doing some event hire businesses in Sydney as well. So that's good that I now know who to recommend in Sydney rather than us sending our linen up via TNT and it getting lost and getting mouldy because it takes so long to get back. Yep. yep. And coming back to the trend thing, I guess the mm. opportunity there, correct me if I'm wrong, is to say, well, okay, well, we've got a trend here and I've given you these linen or sold you this mm. linen for and that's going to last three years, five years, whatever that timeline looks like. But then you can go back again. So a new trend mm. – and you've got another opportunity to sell in again um, and continue. So whilst it's not higher and which is quick churn mm. and burn, it's more a long-term oh, they'll come back. churn, yeah. yeah. So in They get injured, yeah. 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 So we get holes. I mean the venues yep. all get holes, burn marks and things, and then we'll cut them down Cur- into curry. napkins. Yeah. Curry yeah. that does not come, that <laughs> magical curry that I yep. didn't know about. Um, so we'll cut them down for them and they can use them for other things. Did you feel that this rejuvenated you a little bit as well? Having run a business mm. for so long yeah. and, and it's – you, know, you love it, obviously, but mm. it is one thing, yeah, you know, one a product. So, mm. did this kind of, you know, provide another avenue for you mm. to be like, all right, cool, I can yeah. do something else? And yeah. yeah, I didn't have enough to do. Um, I'm a solo mum, and um, yeah, yeah, liar. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it does. Yeah, and learning a new skill. Like I don't know. I didn't know sewing. Like I had outsourced it always. So I had to learn a lot. And we're interviewing for – I've got a general manager who is amazing as well and she and I were interviewing for seamstresses but we didn't even know what questions to ask. (laughs) Like it was so unprofessional. I'm like, yeah, you know how to sew? Okay, good. So we've had a very steep learning curve but it's worked and to have that in-house is just huge. How do you go now with someone that is so busy and so accessible, Mm -hmm. how do you go about managing your time between the two businesses and, and your focus? Very badly, Brad. Um, I try, I have a lot of to-do lists and I do go between each business. I'll go like, okay, today I'm focusing on Table Art Queensland and I will really do a full day of just sourcing business and getting new product and, and I do have to keep moving those hats you know in events like things change so the the to-do list and the priority list is constantly updating every five minutes, ten minutes. Yeah. 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 So you have to go and I'm like, okay, now we've shifted over to a new software program. Okay, I need to get all this uploaded because the accountant needs this. Like it's just it is about going, okay, I'm going to do two things from this business and two things from that business. It's not that practical but the mental load is such a – you know, a new new term, but it is real. Yeah, it's hard. Have you ever done any work overseas or thought about taking the business overseas? No, Brad, no, I have not. <laughs> Do you take any influences <laughs> from overseas? You, you don't yeah. have enough on. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we do, yeah. yeah. Um, particularly in, mainly in weddings, there's a lot of photos in America and Spain and Italy actually, but much the same trends. It's really funny. The difference is you'll get paid in USD. You can bring that <laughs> yeah, home. Okay, that's true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If I ever have some spare time, yeah. I will. But no, I'm happy with Australia. I think we're pretty lucky here. We are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, it's time for Buzz's rapid fire questions. <gasps> okay. We're there. Go for it, Buzz. I know. Buzz, it's over to you, mate. All right, you ready? Yep, go for it. Quick answers. Mm. I love this first question, <laughs> by the way. Has anyone ever trashed the shit out of a room that you've set? <laughs> <laughs> 
chocolate fountain. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. What? And I had to hold my dog back like we were counting the dirty linen at the end and there was this chocolate fountain. It was clear that it was a chocolate fountain. I've got a photo. It's about three metres worth of chocolate on this massive table and my dog was just trying to lick it and I'm like, I understand, but no, that's gross. Wow. Yeah. That's okay. Well, I, I, yeah. Mm. I chocolate everywhere. That. Yeah. Chocolate. What's the most difficult job that you've taken on? Difficult clients, maybe. <laughs> uh, Can you give us a story on one yeah. without naming names? Let me guess a wedding. Yeah, a wedding. Yeah. yeah. Wedding. I've got lots of weddings, but um, stories. There was one, it was March last year, and we'd just come through COVID and we'd just, we'd been slammed. Yeah. So we tripled last year, um, our best year prior. A client had lost all these napkins. It was a white napkin. And I rang this woman. I said, look, we don't have enough because this other client has lost 100 napkins. We're going to have to replace it with another white napkin. She came in. She said, you've ruined my wedding. <laughs> and It's a white napkin. Yeah. And I said, do you know there's like a war going on and um, starving people in the world and your wedding is not the priority? And I could see my staff Uh-oh. just shrinking oh, down. Right. But I just Ellie had enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. That's great. So I offered to just give her money back and just please go to someone else. I just, I do not have the mental space to deal with. Good for you. Yeah. Oh, that's a great answer. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. Do you have any advice for a young person wanting to make their mark on the world of event theming and design that you do mm-hmm. or linen specifically? Yeah. Trust your gut. Learn basic hospitality skills. Yes. Um, and go back into hospo. Like it's... It's awesome. I it is, love Hosbo. Yeah. I actually really miss it. I could, probably couldn't physically do it <laughs> anymore, um, but I loved it. And then there was always the, the quote that I loved, um, don't wait for the light at the end of the tunnel, stride down there and light the bloody thing yourself. And that's true. Like there's a lot of people who are just like, oh, I should, I should, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Just go do just it. Fucking do Stop it. Stop yeah. talking <laughs> about it. Get off your ass and go do it. Okay. What's the next trend to look out for? <laughs> Funny enough, in table linen, mm. florals are back in. So oh, the really, linen. yeah, really strong print linen, which I can't get um, in wide width, which I know sounds so ridiculous, but people want linen to go to the floor yeah. and they don't want seams, um, joining seams. So it's looking like I'm going to have to print a print on a fabric. <laughs> print a print. I, I Find know, a nice I print. Know what you mean. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so I understand that you designed the table, or you, sorry, you worked with Brad on his wedding. Mm. Oh no! <laughs> what was he like? Where are you was going he diff- with this? Was he difficult? Was no, he one of those people? Very low maintenance. Come on, give me something. Let's just say that because I'm sitting over here. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know? I remember this sounds terrible. Um, is he had these awesome cupcakes, and I had three, and I felt really <laughs> guilty that I ate from his cupcake um, display. I wonder where they went. <laughs> so, all these years later, your so. guests that were like. Mm. Where's, where's yeah, my there were three, three guests that missed yeah, out on yeah. cakes. Yeah. No, no. I ate his Plenty cupcakes. to go around. We like to look after the crew. <laughs> so. And final one from me is yeah. uh, what do you love doing in your spare time when you have a bit of alley time? I'm going to a wine bar with the girls tonight. I cannot wait. Yeah, great answer. Yeah. That's all you need. <laughs> I also started embracing red light um, saunas and oh. I love it. Yeah, so that calms me down Okay, for a good half an hour and then I'm back being a parent again. <laughs> Does that just allow you to step out of the mm. world and sort of just focus in 
I listened to a podcast, funny enough. Yeah. Got a great one for you. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. So I sit in the sauna and just sweat out the stress. Yeah. That's awesome. A tradition we've started uh, this season on Event for Life um, and that is we've asked the previous guest to leave the next guest a question without knowing who they are. Ooh. So today's question for you, if you can change one decision in your career, what would that be? One decision I would change would be buying that $30,000 worth of linen from um, the French Riviera that died after one Indian wedding. I don't know. That's all I can remember. So the French don't test curries. No, they don't <laughs> pre-test. No, it will not it's survive a more the delicate events industry. In France. They're a little more delicate. <laughs> yeah, that's all I can think of. I've been very lucky. Very little regret. That's yeah, good. that's great. Great way to be. Oh yay! Okay, good. Hey, Ali, thanks for um, joining us on An Event for Life. It's been amazing to hear your story and it's great to sit down and actually have a chat uh, yeah. about about your world and I know it's a bit of a whirlwind and, and you go, 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 go. So we really appreciate your time um, and, and being able to share so much uh, with our listeners. Oh, for sure. Like our listeners probably don't know a lot about this world. I mean, I mm. didn't. So thank you so much for sharing your insights and, and journey and, and just general stories and having fun with us. Thank you for having me. I'm honoured. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of An Eventful Life. Don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcast platform so you don't miss an episode. It makes a huge difference to us. And don't forget you can also find us on our new YouTube channel. This show is for you, our listeners. Our aim is to bring you the most in-depth conversations and life experiences from the event industry. So if you have any feedback, suggestions on guests you would like us to interview on the show, please reach out to us through our social media channels. I'm Brad. And I'm Shane. See you next time on An Eventful Life.